Hey everybody, Superfan Giovanni here for a truly legendary episode of Classic Love Line, number 233, from August 20th, 1996, a Tuesday night show with guest Clive Barker. The show opens with Clive in studio making his Classic Love Line debut. He would go on to be one of the most legendary guests in Adam's era with four more appearances, 1997, twice in 2001, and his final visit in 2002. We're hoping there'll be many more lost appearances found in the archive but it seems unlikely. The show seems to pick up after the first or second break, and they reference a heady discussion during the opening 20 minutes. Clive is in the studio promoting his new book, Sacrament, and Clive's among Dag, Bad Religion, Will Arnett, and Alana Ubach as some of the best repeat guests during the Adam Carolla era. Clive has a unique energy and comedy and fun spirit that he brings with him that no other guests possess. Adam and Drew both respond to him in different ways. Dr. Drew has this almost intellectual bond with the man and loves his ideas, and Adam has an equally strong comedic bond with the man. I like Lunchables indeed. I can't wait to release the rest of these. Again, I only wish this one was complete. The audio quality on this one is up to snuff, so don't worry about that. As per usual, it's recorded in 1996. Some of the medical advice may be out of date. Please consult your own physician or contact Dr. Drew and Mike Catherwood on Current Day Love Line. 1-800-LOVE-191. Listener discretion is advised. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Podcast One, on Facebook, Podcast One there as well, and PodcastOne.com, the home of all your favorite podcasts. Mahalo and get it on. I like Lunchables. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. Phone number for Loveline, 1-800-LOVE-191. Fax number 310-854-4455. I'm Adam Carroll. That's Dr. Drew. Tonight, here with the um, versatile Clive Barker. Versatile, I like yes. that. Well, we were just having an interesting, heady psychological discussion uh, during the uh, commercial there. and um, Adam wasn't present, but uh, we had one. <laughs> <laughs> I came in and started talking about <laughs> trucks. <laughs> but uh, l- let me explain, Clive, for, for people who, uh, out there in Radio Land who have never seen the man and, and probably know his work and, and probably put together some sort of bizarre sketch composite based on the guy who came up with Pinhead. Right. Clive is uh, is um, attractive, um, and I you know I mean that in a very in masculine, masculine way, yes. buddy buddy sort of term. Right. He's uh, now uh, how old, you're forty three. Forty three. Yeah. And he looks more like a thirty. Yes. Um, very monkey polite, very jovial, well mannered, and uh, uh, unassuming. You would never uh, put the two together. The the work and the man, and that that's kind of uh, kind of interesting. But we we're talking earlier about uh, homosexuality yeah. and about uh, making characters in the book and all that. And Drew and I talk about this, and we get a lot of calls because because it is a newer thing where kids or teenagers are getting more into experimentation yes. earlier. It, it's a different sure. society than it was, I'm sure. sure, when you grew up. Oh, man, absolutely. And uh, 25 years ago, yeah. it, it was not... Even in England, especially in, in, in Liverpool, England? yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about a working-class northern city. Of, in, in, you know, in the uh, in the late sixties, yeah. Now that was mm. a t- that was a tough time to come to realize that you were gay. I mean, it was. I don't think it's easy now. When did you realize, in your recollect- recollection? You know, I was eighteen or nineteen. I guess I'd had much older girlfriends right through my childhood or my adolescence. I mean, my. When I was 15, I had a 19-year-old girlfriend, which was a big deal when you're 15. 15, having, you know, this this much older... It'd be huge yeah. if I had a 19-year-old girlfriend now, too, but... Yeah, that's a whole other thing, though. Oh, it is, yeah. yeah. And were you having sex with her? Yeah. Oh, really? 
Yeah, what, do you want diagrams? I don't know. Just 15 getting it on with a 19-year-old is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So and and she and helped. You stuck with with women all the way through until you're eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, but did when you were let's say as early as eleven, twelve, did you have thoughts? I mean, now looking back, I think everybody has thoughts at that time. <laughs> I think I, you know, even you, Adam. No, I mean, that, that's many of truckers. I suspect that the 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 issue of of the kind of openness of your sexuality at that time when you when you're just looking at possibilities and one of the things that happens is your possibilities start to narrow and start to become very specific as you get older right and and you know i don't i think of sexuality as being this incredibly malleable protean changeable wonderful flowering thing i don't think it's fixed Mm-hmm. I don't think it's about saying I am this and I will always be this. Right. I think it's about being aroused by the world and finding the world sexy. And, right. I mean, do I still look a beautiful woman? Absolutely. But do you, do you ever get uh, like a sexual hankering for a big set of jugs? Yes. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Oh, me too. Okay. Oh, yes. Good. Yes. <laughs> You're fine. Yes. Oh, I can't move in. Yes. Drew, <laughs> you, you got a hankering for a set of jugs or you want to go to the phone? <laughs> He does, but he doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, Mike, 14, you're on Loveline with Clive Barker. Hey, Adam, Drew, Mr. Barker. Hey, how's it going? I've idolized you since I was like eight. This is amazing. What what was the first uh, piece of work you saw by Clive? Oh, Hellraiser 2. Oh, man. One of the greatest movies in the world. Thank you very much. Oh, I love your work. Thank you, man. I I saw that thing on A&E. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Did my mom and dad on it? Did uh, you see my mom and dad on that? That was a real trip. My mother and father, I have to say, my mother and father came on this 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 uh, kind of show about me. They did a profile. They kind of, yeah, and they kind of denied that they had anything to do with me. You know, it's like my mom says, you know, um, so, well, I don't know where he gets it from, but he doesn't get it from me. You well, know, not on our side. And my father says, well, he doesn't get it from me. You know, it's like the primal moment didn't, when didn't... your mother and father on television, no less, <laughs> right. say that they have absolutely nothing to do with it's who like you are. It's like Dahmer's folks it, uh, oh, took a little more responsibility. Yeah. Than yours. <laughs> Didn't your grandmother figure in your life prominently? My grandmother was, well, actually, I'm Irish-Italian. My grandmother, both my grandmothers, um, are ama- were amazingly strong, will, powerful women. And my Irish grandmother, my, my father's mother, was an incredible storyteller and would tell very grim, dark this is where Morbid it came from. Tales. This yeah. is where it came from. Oh, I think for sure. In Absolutely. fact, I, last time you were on the show, I, yeah. one of those stories still stands out in my mind. It's the Candyman story. The Candyman story. Uh, There's a little bit different twist on it. Thank you very much over there. Um, but my, I mean, what an interesting thing for the grandmother to be telling you. But yeah, go, go. my grandmother told stories of um, of terrible genital mutilation visited upon little kids by by creatures that stalked the streets of Liverpool. And it, and it stayed in my mind as, uh, when I was, you know, was a little kid. But you still can't go into public restrooms. I still can't go into public restrooms. What is the Candyman story that your grandmother told you? My, the, well, my mother, my grandmother said that if I, when I, I guess I was around five, she said that if I went into public restrooms, there would be a man who would come and cut my dick off. Really? Yes. 
<laughs> the Candyman? Well, no, I in, later invented the Candyman to explain what my grandmother had told me. I mean, it was a response to some the Candyman to Clive Barker invention, but that story, which appears in the both in the movie and in the original story, that stuff came from my grandmother when I was five. Is, is uh, are a lot of your stories sort of a reworking of some of your grandmother's? Lo- well, no, no, but 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 stuff that I was told when I was a kid. I I I was. Uh, how yes. old were you? I was five. So this oh, five? Five. Oh, Just, yeah. I, I found out the Easter Bunny wasn't real when I was five. I'm still not right. You thought someone's going to cut off your genitalia. Well, you know, the trouble was she said the Easter Bunny would come and cut off my genitalia, which was really problematical for me. Wow. I mean, couldn't you just said use a seat liner and let, know, let it be at that? They didn't have seat liners then. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. What the hell kind of advice is that from Grandma? Hey, uh, Mike. Yep. Uh, you, you started... Uh, you were exposed to the Clive Barker material the, at a fairly young and tender age. Oh, yeah. Is it is it demented you, twisted you? Do you have a compulsion to kill or cut off your genitalia or dress up in a big bunny outfit and cut off other people's genitalia? <laughs> Are you okay? Uh... Uh, by my standards, I'm pretty okay. But I anyway. love that. By my standards. Good for you, Mike. Go on. Define your own terms. Go on, man. That's it. Well, basically, you know, if you're not like me, you're pretty much twisted, demented. There you free. go. Good. Uh, you see? That's how everybody should think. Yep. Just like me. All right, Mike. Yep. This uh, narcissism thing is only going to get you so far in life. Eventually, <laughs> you got to start making money. And then you can start back into it. Am there I right? There you go. Absolutely. Steve, 18, you're on Loveline with Clive Barker. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just got married, like maybe a month ago and uh my wife really likes her sex you see and uh uh we've been married a little over a month now and uh i've gone through four boxes of 36 condoms and sex is her primary thing for the day and i just can't keep up with it you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know what to do or what to tell her she gets quite pissed off when i can't how old is she steve uh 19 Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're doing it how many times a day? Uh, about seven or eight. No. Yeah. No. Problem. I can't keep up. No, I don't uh, inhale seven or eight times a day. You're not. You're not. You're not doing. Se- <laughs> That's what I don't get. Like she's ten years before her prime, and I just. Oh, she hits her. She hits her prime, and uh, you're gonna have to get a crash cart in there to bring you back from your refractory period. Yeah, I know. I, I, what can, what can I do? You know, I. Were you, were you, was it, was it like this before you were married? Did you just never have sex before you were married? Well, we were dating for like three months, you know, and we had sex a couple times. Were you dated? So you knew, you knew one another three months, and then you got married. Yes. Okay. And this didn't show up before the marriage. Well, yeah, not as much though, because we just moved into our own apartment, so. Oh, okay. Where, Steve? Yeah. Uh, if if she's if she's all right, let me talk to her. Uh, she's at work right now. Oh, really? Yeah. God knows what she's doing to keep herself busy there. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Listen, I my advice would be to uh, cut down to maybe just uh, five six times a day. Oh. Uh, I mean, you no, know, you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, tell her what you're comfortable with and and sort of agree on something here because uh, six seven times a day is uh, that's that's and unbelievable. You know, quality goes down once you get to that kind of quantity, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just yeah. do it once and do it really well. I I try it. I just she's never satisfied. It's like an obsession, or I don't just I just don't get it. 
Steve. Yeah. How is her uh, psychological condition? Does she seem okay? Yeah. Because this kind of kind of really uh, out of the ballpark, excessive sexual activity could be something yeah, significant. Never... And there's actually there's neurologic conditions associated with this too. Drew, did you say ballpark? Okay. I've I've never met a uh, a girl like this before, you know. Yeah. No, I've never met five girls <laughs> like this. I mean, who, who collectively were good for seven times a day. This is amazing. Listen, Steve. Yeah. Does she satisfy herself? Uh, yeah, I guess. Because you are you are going to have to get her a toy and then um you know, make yourself a trip to the... Uh, do they have one of those huge inventory-type supermarts at your place where you can buy just a uh, pallet full of C-cell batteries and drop it off at the door? And, I mean, come on, Steve. She has to start taking care of herself. You're only so much man. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. But you can watch. I'm only human. I'm not a bionic super guy or anything. No, you're not... Uh, you're no Steve Austin. No. All right. So listen... Tell her that you're not comfortable that many times a day. Mm -hmm. All right, my penis is sore just hearing this. <laughs> Clive's penis is sore, but it may be for other reasons. Clive, you okay? Yeah, my penis is just fine. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like how the horse does. Right. Yeah, my, <laughs> you want Drew's heat pack? No, you it's, okay. no, it's, it's really it's too small. All right. It's <laughs> <laughs> a ridiculous problem. I don't know where to even begin with this. She has to, she has to service herself to some degree, and you have to explain to her that you're only good for X amount of times and a day. Or she may be truly disturbed. Watch out. Yeah, she only another another good character to write about in your book. Well, the other thing is that we're not addressing is that for, for that's a kind of sex fantasy as well. I mean, there's a, the, the 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 idea of the nymphomaniac is 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 a sex fantasy for a lot of people. The idea of somebody who just a woman who wants endless sex, but actually in in the real world, it's nightmarish. Right. Right. It's uh, mean, like it's, it's, it's be it's careful what, what you ask for. You, you may you get may it. May get it. All right. Exactly. I suggest you put a new character in your next uh, film, and you call it the Nymph Head. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody, don't forget our friends at GoToMeeting. That's right. If you need to have a meeting, get your peers or your collaborators together, you can do so with GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix. Powerfully simple way to meet online from anywhere, anytime. We love GoToMeeting. I use GoToMeeting for any meetings I'm having where I can't get everybody together or where people are in different parts of the country or the city, whatever. They don't. Why get together? You don't have to. You can actually have your high-definition, real-time video conference all the while throwing up and working out one another's documents. That's really the most cool part of the whole thing. So you can start GoToMeeting. Sign up for GoToMeeting from your computer or mobile device. Launch your first meeting in seconds. You'll be able to share the screen to collaborate on projects in real time. Turn your webcams. Turn on your webcams to see each other's face-to-face. -face. Start your free 30-day trial of GoToMeeting today. Visit GoToMeeting.com today and click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code LOVELINE. That is GoToMeeting.com, promo code LOVELINE, meeting is believing. Hey, stupid, what's going on? Tis I, Randall. You know me best as the voice of the honey badger. Well, guess what? Pretty soon, I'm going to have my own podcast. That's right. It's Honey Badger's Animal Podcast. And each week, I'm going to bring you amazing animal stories, interviews, a whole bunch of fun stuff. And you're not going to want to miss it. Coming soon to Podcast One, it's Honey Badger's Animal Podcast. The only place to be to listen to it is right here on PodcastOne.com.
Yes, indeed, indeed. Phone number 1-800-LOVE-191. Fax number 310-854-4455. I'm Adam Carolla. That is Dr. Drew. He's a board-certified physician, addiction medicine specialist, and tonight is author, a filmmaker, and a philanthropist, and humanitarian, <laughs> Clive Barker, and we'll be back in 10 seconds. This is Loveline on Radio Station. KNRK, Canvas, Portland. The new rock revolution is on. 94.7. NRK. Oh, well, uh, Clive Barker's here, but of course we're missing Dr. Drew, who takes a very lackadaisical approach he to does. the whole show. He does. It's, I, he's been... He's been over over praised i suspect He's oh well got, certainly kinda... there's that and then there's like what it is is he thinks he has tenure oh yeah and he can never be fired no well you know what we can get dr ruth oh i would kill for her. do you know anyone uh, you know i did an interview with dr ruth once at a giggling fit <laughs> <laughs> how can you keep a straight face when dr ruth is there asking you, you a question at your navel <laughs> she's talking she's getting an echo from your navel she's getting an echo from your navel and she's like what's that poking me in the throat please stand up I am standing up oh jeez Drew yes quite a good looking guy for a doctor wouldn't you yes, say yes he is absolutely I don't want to put you on the spot no 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 you but, can absolutely do that he's a married man I'm, I can do that but as a, as a gay man as a gay man I can see he's cute uh, and what about me I mean uh, yeah but anyway oh, please <laughs> Come on. Seriously. Just, no, no, I was being serious. Yeah. No, what, no what? I mean, like, no, let's just suppose we What do you want? I mean, I want to know. Everybody's not for everybody, Adam. You know. <laughs> Why does Drew always get the good shake? Come on. <laughs> what do you want? He's the one with the warming pat in his leg. Come on. That's oh, so it's a, like a sympathy. The whole thing going on there okay. with gay man and warming pat. So if we were just at uh, a bar, oh, let's yeah, say two-stepping a little, and you happen to stroll in. And he was limping in? No, no. No. For, let's forget the knee pad here. Okay. It's just Drew and I, and it's uh, <laughs> dude's night. And yeah, we're, do, night. we're doing a little yeah. two-stepping two and yeah. having ourselves a yeah, frilly I, drink. I, I go for the blonde. Oh, really? I go for the blonde. You know, which is true. She's the chicks like Drew more and the guys. That sucks. It does. All so right, but speak. I know as soon as we get off the air, you're going to tell me you're more trying. A whole other thing. A whole okay. other thing. All right. Uh, Clive Barker has himself a book. That book is called Sacrament, and uh, he will be signing that book at uh, A Different Light, which is a bookstore in West L.A. on Santa Monica, and that will be at 7 p.m. this Friday. This Friday, and I won't just be signing that. I'll be signing, you know, Whatever you got. Yeah, I mean, the old books and videos and lasers. Movie and posters. posters and yeah, things. the whole deal. Now, what about something like uh, with a character is uh, popular that, yeah. that you invented, like Pinhead? Yeah. Um, are you getting a piece of all that Pinhead nah. action? Nah. Yeah, you are. Now, I, saw, I made the first, the first Horizon movie, this is the honest truth, 10 years ago for $21,000. I wrote and directed it for $21,000. And I signed away all the rights for in perpetuity. Is that forevermore, then? Forevermore, that's what in perpetuity oh, means. Oh, man. Oh. Well, you know what? One of the things is, you know, you you do those things, and they seem dumb in hindsight, but the truth is that they were giving me a million dollars to make the movie. 
Right. And and who knew there were going to be sequels and plastic models and well, and it's and like people tell you to think with the brain you have now. Yeah, uh, ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, how the hell do. were you no. supposed to know what was going to go on? I, at the end of the day, I don't regret it. At the end of the day, somebody gave me some money and said, "Go make a movie," and I had a great time, and 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 that's what it was. But now, when you come up with something, I'm sure you have a team yeah, of the representatives. Is the, ch the chances of coming up with another know, pinhead, another pinhead, <laughs> are fairly slight. I mean, the truth is that that. The, you, you know, you these things are not in your command. You the you make these things, and and the audience is the one that tells you whether it's working or right. not. Right? It's I like mean, it's like breaking wind, really. I mean, you don't you can't plan like, it. It's nothing like breaking wind. <laughs> okay, but I'm saying with the audience. No, it's telling nothing him. like where does he get I this just stuff? Think, from? Just thank you for stopping him when he goes on like <laughs> yeah. that. I just appreciate that <laughs> I'm so just much. Saying, it's not something you can plan. It's and not me, something goes, you work don't out. Don't negate me. Don't Why negate do me. Go with me. No, all right. I'm here's saying. what I'm saying. You don't say, hey, at 11:45, I'm going to break wind. It just happens. You feel it come up, and then the audience responds. Wait, wait. Can we back up a moment? You know when we talking about the profound of things that happen in your imagination and the only thing that you can do is liken it to flatulence i as an artist am insulted okay <laughs> well i as a patriot sir <laughs> i'm indignant <laughs> drew what are you a no blonde <laughs> A natural blob. No, uh, gray. This is gray. What oh, is the, really? what is, yeah, the triplets turned him gray. What, yeah, what is the name first, first of the of gay lead character in Sacrament? His name is Will. Will Rap Johns. Mm -hmm. and Does that mean anything? Anyone you knew or anything? Uh, actually, no. It's actually the, my, my publicist's name is Will. He's outside, and I named him after Will, but my publicist is straight and and i just like the name are you sure because he was eyeballing me when i was heading down the hall to the coffee machine no i don't think he was okay I, could I, you I name a, a really character don't adam think he was don't name uh, not a leading character but could you just work in like an adam guy who gets killed or yeah, something at some point you'll find something going on there with i'd buy that adam. book you would <laughs> so a lot of people you would there you go casey 16 you're on love line with clive barker yeah hi everybody hi. hello um yeah, I have a problem. Well, really, my friend has a problem. See, she's on birth control, and she is, like, using that for an excuse to go have sex with, like, lots of like, different guys. You know, that is an argument that people have used against, well, you, wait, wait, young people being on the pill, and yet I can never, This, to my recollection, this is the first time we've had this call. Right, you heard about, oh, the whole reason for the sexual revolution yeah. was the pill. Yeah, right. But we don't get, this is the first call of this kind this we've ever had. I've never heard somebody <laughs> say, I'm having a lot of sex because I'm using contraception. Well, she doesn't use condoms. She doesn't like No, them. contraception just means something to prevent pregnancy. Birth control pill. Yeah. Right. She's had sex with, like, 27 different people. They're, nobody's from this, this town. All right, this has nothing to do with her, the birth control pill. Huh? This has nothing to do with the birth control Casey. pill. Casey. Yes. What do you want from us? Well, I would like to know how I could, what I could do to, like, change her mind and stop her from doing this. Cause and she's your best friend here, Casey? Yeah. Okay. And so you talk to her at all about this? Well, yeah, and she doesn't listen. And what does she say? Does she say she wants, is she looking for somebody to just sweep her off her feet and just love her forever? Is that what it is? And she's just going from guy to guy to find that? Well, she, I don't, I think she enjoys sex a lot. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but well, it's it's hard to work in when you have a different partner each, I, each I, week. I think that's true. I mean, you need to sort of find your rhythm and your groove and all that, and, yeah. and it, it takes a little while did, for that. Did, does she does she leave the guys or the guys leave her? What happens? She just go from guy to guy? Oh well, she 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 calls like all of them all the time. I mean, she's like it was 
she'd be going out with them, she'd have like seven different boyfriends. Okay. I mean, they'd, nobody, none of them know about each other. Oh, so they don't know, man. Okay, no. but Casey, it sounds to me like this girl probably has something going on other than just uh, her legs being akimbo most of the day. I mean, it sounds like she wouldn't be the greatest friend or the funnest person to hang out with. Does well, she seem normal in every other aspect of her life? Yeah. I mean, she's real cool and everything, and she just started this. I mean, she started birth control maybe three months ago. 27 and, guys in three months? Huh? Yeah. Okay, Casey. Where are the parents? Wait, no, yeah. there's already something wrong. The fact that she's able to accomplish this suggests there's something, there's something wrong at home. Oh, well, her dad, she has a stepdad. Oh. And her mom just doesn't care what she does. Right. Okay. Okay. And then, um, well, another thing I was just worried about, because she is my best friend and people are finding out about it. And so okay. they're giving me the reputation. She is desperately trying to find some kind of emotional fulfillment. And really? she's doing it in all the wrong ways. Her family of origin is uh, 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 not where she can get any kind of... Uh, Empathy, empathy, comfort, reinforcement for who she is. So she's going out and getting validation wherever she can. Where is her dad, her biological dad? Her, I don't, he's like, he died or something a long time yeah, ago or something. Some... I, she never really talks about it. Well, him. find out what's going on. Find out who your friend is, Casey. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on with her. And try to dig in a little bit and see what's actually going on under the surface and talk to her friend to friend. Talk to her and try to contact some genuine emotion within her because i'm sure it's there yeah there's something can, there you just have yeah. to see if you can reach it and, and and maybe that you in that way you'll be able to impact on these behaviors yeah, and but, but stop here's the deal too and i always uh, warn people that you do what you can and then you move on if, yeah. if the person is not going to respond to what you're telling them to then d don't let them drag you into it with them do not let them take you down with them you you try your best you do what you clear out your conscience and then you move on. And hopefully they'll respond. Amber, 20, you're on Loveline with Clive Barker. Hello. Hey. Hey. How's everybody doing tonight? We're Good. having a party here. <laughs> Good deal. Well, my problem is, is, well, it's not really a problem. I'm okay with it. It's just I slept with this guy that I work with about early December. And... I've been, we, we still work together, and I really like him now, and I want to know what I can do without pushing him or making him feel bad or anything to have a relationship with him. Where do you work? I work at a place called Beecher Films for Families. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're, you're banging away right there in the Disney library? <laughs> no. No, it was just once. They don't have any Clive Barker stuff there, do they? Oh, no way. <laughs> no way. We're, we're it would all burn if you try to bring it into the Gee. building. Uh, we're all positive. All right, a but a Amber, l listen, except for you. Amber, let me ask you something. Yeah. You had sex with a guy. How long did you know him before you had sex with him? It was a one-night stand. I didn't know him for very and long. And this is in December? He's the brother of my best friend. And... She and I both started working there at the same time, and that's how I ended up meeting him. Oh. Um, she's older. She's got kids, oh, and I, I wanted to go out and have a good time one night, and she said, we'll go over to church. You'll have a good time, and everything oh, will be okay. Oh, you certainly will. And a Amber, but you two work together, right? Yeah. And do you see him every day? Uh-huh. And what, would it, what was it like the next day? I mean, how'd you leave it with him uh, when he left you that night? Um, Did you give him your phone number? Did he ask for it? No, uh-uh. Okay. And we didn't discuss it at all. all right, and now, she doesn't know either. <laughs> okay. It's been nine months now. Uh-huh. And you see him every day at work. Uh-huh. 
and he hasn't made any rumblings about uh, going out on a date or getting back in the sack again. No. Okay. But neither have I. It doesn't matter. It, it, done deal. This one's over. Put a fork in it. It's done. I'm telling you. That, really? B- yes. I, I don't want to be cruel, but sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind, as Nick Lowe would say. This is tough love hour here on Loveline, and the deal <laughs> is this. I know guys. Why? Because I have friends who are guys, and last time I checked, I was uh, you were almost, one too. I was one too. Well, within a, within an inch or two, right? With, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, within the the broad <laughs> biological definition, I was technically a guy. There I did not have ovaries and a clitoris. I there was a go. guy. There you go. And here's the deal: if the guy had a great sexual time with you that night, he would probably be looking forward to another great sexual night in the very near future, unless, of course, he had a girlfriend, screwed up, got busted, or what have you. You understand? But the idea that you guys have been passing each other in the hall for the last nine months and he has not stopped you for some more nookie is a very discouraging sign. Yeah, the thing is, is that within the last couple of months, he and I have been talking a lot more and having more time to be able to talk. We have the same breaks and stuff. So we've been able to talk and it seems... All right, Amber, uh-huh. here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the solution. But okay. first I'm going to say he knows you are good to go. Okay. Uh, right? You're like a volunteer fireman. You're ready to slide down that pole as soon as the siren goes. Uh, we knew and that he, was coming, didn't he, we? He kno- but he knows Amber is ready to go, and he's not acting on it, which says to me he's not interested. But here's what you can do. Okay. To be discreet and save a little face. Talk to your mutual friend. Well, she doesn't know that it happened. Okay, well, spill the beans. Okay, don't even tell her it happened. Just tell her you kind of like him and you wonder if she could poke around a little and get a little information for you. That way, you're not going to have to make a fool of yourself at work and you can be discreet. And I'm guessing the answer will be no, but uh, you never know. Maybe he's just uh, that shy. Or maybe, maybe maybe wait until next December. Maybe it'll be an annual event. <laughs> what is like the his swallows going yeah, back to Capistrano? On. I mean, once in a while, you have those people in your life that you know. Once in a while, you just you, you just know, have fo- you fool around once a year. Oh, jeez! If I I tell you, you I would be a no. If I could line something up for like, Memorial Day, yeah, uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving right, Easter, God forbid, <laughs> but Easter. <laughs> And then uh, what do you, in, in yeah, English, yeah. you have you have Boxer Day or whatever yeah, the yeah, hell you Brits Boxing celebrate. Sure, yeah, yeah. Boxer Day. Boxing Day. <laughs> That's where someone tried to blow up Parliament. No, they decided no, to make a no, holiday. No, it wasn't. That was Guy Fawkes Night. All right. Go, what'd you say? Guy, Guy Fawkes. Fawkes oh, okay. Don't worry. It's a whole other thing. We need diagrams for this man. Drew. Fra- I'd appreciate some <laughs> at this point. Frank, 15, you're on Love Line with Clive Barker. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, guys. What's up? Hey. Uh, you guys are cool. Thank you. Thought I'd tell you that. Show's awesome. Anyway, my problem is, I've, uh, well, I had this girlfriend, she was kind of weird, and went out with her, not too long, like, two months, and, uh, I broke up with her, because she was really, like, uh, sensitive, hmm. too sensitive, overly sensitive, and, uh, couldn't handle all the problems she was telling me about. How old was she at, at the time? Oh, she was, uh, a year younger than me. So okay, I, so she was 14 and you were 15? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I broke up with her. Then she went to therapy. I think it might have been because of me. But, um, so I hadn't talked to her for three months, three and a half months. And, uh, and I get this call from, uh, from this guy. I think it, I think it was her boyfriend. I don't know. And, uh, and he, he's like, her name was Sarah, by the way. And, uh, and he's like, he tells me that if I ever look at her, talk to her, or talk about her again, he's going to, he's going to kill me. And, uh. 
I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if he's serious or what. Do you look at her, talk to her, or talk about her? Yeah, or, or call her. Yeah, but do you see her? No, not at all. You never see her? And, you, and did you ever find out who this guy was? No. No, but you don't see her anymore? No, not at all. And you don't talk about her? No. Moot point. Moving on. He threatened her for doing something that he's not doing. He said if he ever does it again, he's going to kill him, but he's not doing it again, so we're moving on. you got to record, you know, make make a record of this, too, in case there's ever is an issue about it. So. Yeah, it's good in case uh, something uh, something happens. You need to get a restraining order or something right. like that. It's good to have documentation. Right. Dario, 25. Yeah, um, I was wondering how Mr. Barker felt about how he's been treated by the studios. I mean, I saw... I remember when Nightbreed came out, right. and I saw the previews, and I didn't have a clue as to what it was about. Right. Uh, do you think you've been um, mistreated by the studios? Uh, do I like uh, the way the studios treat filmmakers? No, I, by and large, I don't. Um, uh, but, you know, I write books in a way so that I don't have to deal with that. Um, I mean, I, I write books, so that's my primary profession, and I... I get in, involved with movies once in a while, and I enjoy it, and it's a kind of hobby for me, and it's kind of fun, but I, do, I don't take it as seriously as movies, as, as I take it more seriously than movies. Movies are a kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, an entertainment, uh, a distraction once in a while, but books are the, the heart of what I do. And, but let me ask you, are you talking about Hollywood treating filmmakers or, or authors who who are converting their well, work. Well, I'm a little bit of both. I mean, I, I direct movies, and the, the movie that uh, Dario's talking about here, a movie called Nightbreed, was horribly screwed around with by the studio's 20th right. Century Fox in that particular case. Yeah. And um, having said that, you know, the, 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 the movie's a cult movie, and, you know, uh, we're actually putting to, together a director's cut of the movie because there's so many people who want to see the movie. So, I mean, in a way, you, you make what you make and you move on. The problem is it takes a year of your life to make a movie. And it breaks your heart when people screw around with it. The great thing about writing a book is nobody screws around with it. You, you know, you write the book, they, you know, you, you talk with your editor, but basically the thing that you write is the thing that appears on the page. And, you know, uh, we told you earlier about, uh, about how long it takes to make a book. And um, a book like Sacrament is 14 months of my life. And, and yeah, I don't have that many books in me. You know, I'm a 43-year-old guy. How many more books do I have in me? I want to make sure that what I can contribute, the stories I can tell, uh, find the audience uh, in as pure a form as they possibly can. And I'm, I'm preoccupied. I'm even perhaps a little obsessed with that, of getting the thing into people's hearts and heads in the purest form I can. Do um do you find that a lot of people um, uh, offer, do they make offers to you to try to attach your name to projects because your name is synonymous with the horror yeah, genre? Yeah, I, I, do, I, do, I don't do a lot of that. I do some of it. And I don't like the connection with horror, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, I know you'll never read Sacrament, Adam, but trust me, it's not a horror novel. It's, it's, an, it's a novel about animals and ecology and... and uh, being human. It's, right, now I'm really not reading it. I was just close with the gay horror not, thing, but you know, now I'm now, not reading it. You thought it was about blood and semen, and you were going to read it, but now it's just now it's meaningful. But the 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 the, the thing about, for me about books is that um, 
what do you do as an artist? You want to make something which is going to move people. You want to give people the most personal, most intense experience you can. Is that why they, everyone reads in the bathroom? No, it's nothing. That's a whole other thing. Okay, I'm oh. confused then. Yeah, well, that's obviously <laughs> right, the state you were born into. You want to hit me, Clive? <laughs> no, not now. It's way too late. Um, I think your mother should have started real early. Um, the... Uh, what I was going to say was the, the, the thing about movies is that increasingly they're made by committees. They're made by people who have the, the, you know, the numbers in their heads that it's made by lawyers and the deals, the right. deal makers. The more people that have a stake in something and that have invested in something and the, the more, more control, more of those is. morons yeah. you gather around, the more watered down yeah, the product what, becomes. You know what? They may not even be morons. I mean, let's be fair to these guys. They're, they're not morons. They're people who have uh, fiscal concerns. They're concerned with the bottom line. Right. Filmmaking is primarily a business. It's not primarily an art. Right. Uh, book uh, publishing and, and I dare say writing remains, thank goodness, a craft and at its best an art. But what about you? Have you uh, toyed with this idea where you just make yourself a big crap load of money and you do it all your own way under your own supervision and you don't have to answer See, to people? It doesn't really work that way. For one thing, it would have to be a real crap load of money because movies are very, very expensive business. Especially with a lot of effects yeah, and whatnot. So, you know, you're really talking about a huge amount of money. And the second thing is the studios uh, are connected with the distribution companies, and the distribution companies are the ones that make sure that your movies get out there. All right, what so it's if, not just a question of making the movie, it's a question of actually getting it into 2,000 cinemas one Friday. But then what if you made so much money that you, you, you made a whole bunch of theaters, too, and then you bought a TV station well, for which to advertise... And you know what? There's a wonderful story here. It's a wonderful, sad story about a man who wait a follows, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This idea, and, and at the age of sixty-five, realizes he's got all these things, and he has no energy left to make the movie. Old man in the sea. There you go. Uh -huh. <laughs> we'll be back. Tomorrow, from the producer of Scrubs and Cougar Town, comes the new comedy, Undateable. I could probably be all over you, like, kiss me and, like, touch me. And you wouldn't do anything because you're my friend, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. You might be stuck in the friend zone now, but every underdog has his day. Sweetie, are you, are you okay? Are you having a little stroke? Got a, a fine life, a force <laughs> Chris D'Elia stars in the premiere of Undateable. Tomorrow at 9, 8 central, followed by Last Comic Standing on NBC. Hi, this is Tom Jones, and you listen to The Love Lane. That's it. All right. Well, so you are. 1-800-L-O-V-E-191. Fax number 308-54-4455. Remember, tomorrow, the Brady Bunch. Maybe. <laughs> but positively, Thursday stabbing westward will be in, in here right off their uh, triumphant stage appearance. Opening up for Kiss, I hear. Also, next week, yum, yum. Susanna Hoffs from the Bengals, uh, Vincent Perez, the star of the new uh, Crow 2 movie, and then coming up, Cheap Tricks, Cypress Hill, Shaggy, Maxi Priest, the Jerky Boys, and the list goes on and on. Now, um, Clive is using the, uh, what do they call it, the loo? The loo. Yes, I know the English terminology, uh, shaking the dew off the uh, Clive-a-dinger there. 
Maybe going number two for all we know. We'll explore that when he gets back. But Drew is here, and Drew's ready to help. Chris, 18, you're on Loveline. Hi. Um, my problem is that my boyfriend wants me to masturbate for him, but um, I don't do it just because I don't like it. So You don't like masturbating, or you don't like it with him uh, sitting on a folding chair and uh, laughing maniacally, swilling a beer next to the foot of the bed? No, I don't, I don't masturbate myself because I don't enjoy doing it. Okay. So he's asking you to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. It's not like, well, come on, you do it anyway. Why don't you just let me hang out? Yeah, I've tried explaining to him that I don't do it, so um, I really can't do it for him, but I do want to do it for him. It's just that I don't. What do you, what's, uh, what's your relationship now? Are, are you sexual with him? Yeah. So uh, you're having intercourse? Yeah. Okay. And you have no problems there? No. And you're uh, not inhibited in any way that way? No, no, yeah, our sex life is fine. It's just I don't masturbate in that. I mean, I just like to know if there's any way I could, like, learn. Because, I mean, it's weird. You know, you hear most women like to masturbate, but they don't, like, always like sex. and like the other way around. Right. And it's a weird thing to sort of uh, cut your teeth on with an audience. I mean, I well, cer certainly during my er early years of masturbation, I wouldn't have wanted people hanging out. You wouldn't? No, I was trying to perfect a form, which I now have down to almost an so art. So now, now you charge. Right? Um, yeah. <laughs> now, now I do it out on the balcony. People <laughs> drive by honk horns. They put numbers up in the window. There you go. Ten. Well, it's more like three and a half. Oh, but wow. Oh, okay. I appreciate the tens. There you go. Um, what about talking to your friends about about this? Your girlfriends who do it. I mean, is it? I mean, it seems like it's a completely natural thing to do, and there's nothing to be embarrassed or uncomfortable about. Only if you just don't want to do it for him, right? No, it's not that I don't want to do it for him. It's just that. Is it about technique? I mean, is that what it's really I, about? I guess. Well, in which case, then I—I I mean, if you—if you're really close to him, then it doesn't seem. I mean, I, I'm not even sure the technique's what's important. It's what's it, masturbation is about pleasure, and if you're getting pleasure and you're getting in pleasure while he's watching, that's also cool. It seems to me that's a win-win. Is what that I is. would say. That would be what it is. You know, I mean, I think maybe you're turning it into maybe maybe it's becoming more more sort of significant in your head because. It, it it feels like there are some rules and regulations where this is concerned, and there aren't. It's just about touching yourself in a way that brings a smile to your lips. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, is that? So, thank you. Thank, yep. Clive will be here all week. Yes, surely. <laughs> um, uh, this it, it doesn't seem to be a big deal uh, uh, as long as you don't make it one. You know what I'm saying? I don't I mean I don't have a problem touching myself. It's just like I. I don't know. I haven't like figured out how to do it right. right. No, I, I don't think there's. A, what I'm saying is, I don't think there's a right and wrong. And and I guarantee you, he does not care. I was going to say whether your gonna, technique is gonna, good or not. He's going to appreciate the fun of it if it's fun for you. And if it isn't fun for you, then you shouldn't be doing it. Right. And here's what I would suggest. I would tell him that you don't do this. That you're a little bit uncomfortable with it. And you're certainly more uncomfortable with him ogling you while you're doing it. But. What you can do is start sort of working on it a little bit without him in the room, getting comfortable with yourself, perfecting the technique, as it were. And then when you feel comfortable enough with that, then you invite him in to take a look. It's like you were, uh, Clive, you were yeah. an actor. 
you uh, you also you turn were up, up on stage. You, t- turnabout is also fair play that she should be able to say to him, you know, well, if I'm going to do it, how about you give me a show? And I'm guessing he wouldn't he wouldn't mind that. I would think that if he, yeah, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, is you wouldn't want uh, all your friends coming out and watching you act uh, when you didn't know the lines. You'd want to get into the run a little bit, get familiar with but the, the part. Problem, the problem with you, so to speak, the problem with the analogy is that that it suggests that there's a right way and a wrong way. And what I'm saying is that in this kind of exchange, surely the whole point is about just feeling easy and comfortable and taking pleasure in the moment. And that it's not a it's not a competition. There's no nobody's going to be. I mean, you're joking aside. Nobody's going to be raising a number. Yeah, I got to tell you something. I don't know why, but it's jumping into my head. Okay. Gay men know women so well, and that just pisses the hell out of women. I mean, it pisses I, the hell out of women. I don't it think really it does. does. I think it pisses the hell no. out of both the men. Oh, it pisses off. I'm pissed <laughs> off. I don't know how true it is, but I mean, is women cannot stand it because gay men are always better looking than straight men. That's not and true. except for Drew over here, who's an Adonis, and they seem to know well, more. The lights, the lights behind it right now. <laughs> they just got a better rap. I don't know why. I think it's the pressure. The, the sex pressure has been lifted, but their rap is much better. They know what women like. They know they know how to. You know. They, I think all of that's a crock. Really? Yeah. I think you're you're in, indulging a, a a terrible cliche, which is just not true. Well, it's a backhanded compliment. Yeah, but I don't. Don't need it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to compliment me once in a while? I love your nose. There you go. It is cute. It's like a button. <laughs> of what? <laughs> I was going to say, absolutely. Man, what kind of trousers does that fit on? <laughs> Not yours, buddy. Jack, 16. You're on love line. Hello? Yes, Jack. Yeah, I'm going out with a black girl. And, like, all my friends and stuff make fun of me. And I don't know what I should do. Uh-huh. Because uh, and we're, I'm guessing you're white. Yeah. And uh, are, they're racist then. Yeah. And like, I don't know. If, I don't really want my parents to find out that I am either. Why? Because my dad's like racist too. My mom would probably be all right with it. But... Yeah. You you know for a fact that your dad is racist. Yeah. You've heard him in in um, what making fun of of blacks and things. Yeah, and like calling them like niggers and stuff. No. Okay. So yeah, dad's an a hole. Yeah. All right, but thank God it, none of this rubbed off on you. Yeah. Right. And usually, oftentimes, uh, bigotry stems from uh, it's it's a long it's a long line of bigots that you come from. For right. some reason, uh, his hatred did not rub off on Jack, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. But on the other hand, you're 16, you're still living at home, mm. and you may not need the heat that Pop is gonna may put down on you. But uh, it's like uh, you've said in the past, Adam. It's you don't have to announce it at Thanksgiving dinner. It's none of their business. I, you, that's know, what, you know how he's going to react. That's my angle. I mean, I I put this in the same category as women, uh, you know, saying I'm 15 and I'm a lesbian and live with it, you know, at the at the Easter dinner or, or lunch, uh, with uh, men saying I'm gay, live with it at a younger age, living at home. You do not have to announce things. Now, this, especially if you're going to take a lot of heat for it, it's hard enough. And especially, though, this is a little harder one to conceal or to get around, obviously, because if you're gay or you're lesbian and you don't feel like talking about it, then you don't say anything and no one's the wiser. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Jack, eventually you're going to want to bring this person home. I would not tell the people you think can't handle it at this point. And, and that goes, uh, like I said, that goes for everything. I mean, that goes for whatever you are, 
whatever it is, if you're, you know, if your dad is saying, I hate the gays, then it may not be the best time to tell him. You may want to get a little older, go away to college or move out of the house or do whatever you got to do before you drop true. that bomb. I, yeah, I think that's true. Why, why put yourself in harm's way? Drew, got, oh, wait a minute, Drew, I want to go to this call. <laughs> hey, Paven. Pavin. Whatever. 15, you're on Love Line. Um, okay, um, this one's for Dr. Drew. Um, Dr. Drew, do you remember someone, um, I think it's in high school or college, I'm not sure, but you went on a triple date, I think, Ooh. and um, her name was um, Jacqueline. Yeah, no. He's no? shaking his head. No, you've never done three girls at once? <laughs> no, it was a triple date. It was just like um, Drew, two other girls, and two other guys. And her name was uh, Jacqueline. Yeah. Jacqueline or Jackie. Now, where did you get this information? From her. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me tell you something. Drew's reached a uh, certain celebrity where there's plenty of women who will talk. Many wanting to jump on the old Drew bandwagon. Uh, Lord knows, I've, I talked for a while before coming on this show about having a gay relation with Drew. <laughs> in, in, it was in junior high. And I was later exposed when I met the man and quite embarrassed and had to apologize. But... This goes on. You cannot believe everyone. He's a big, big celebrity in this town, and people are going to talk. Well, let me talk. Let me talk some more off the air. I'm trying to figure it out. You, uh, Drew, do you know? No, you I, better I, not know anything. How long ago is this? It's in um, college or high school. It's like so, talking twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. So. Well, this, this should have been like the only triple date that you've gone on. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't guarantee that. All at right, all. Just hold on. Well, I'll talk to you. Figure it <laughs> Did out. she get any? I don't know. Because, I don't think so. But, Drew, Drew's famous for putting out. <laughs> but she, she's, like, really nice, and she's a doctor of geriatrics now. Oh. Um, she owns well, hold a on, restaurant. Me, all right, all right. This doesn't sound familiar at all. Pavin, he's or Pavin, or Poovin, he's going to talk to you uh, off the air and see if he can't get to the bottom of this. And okay. believe me, if, yeah, I'm going to watch his face like a hawk. We're all going to watch. Hey, if, he, if, he's, if he's got something he's concealing, yeah, we're going to know. We're, we're going to know. We're going to ring him like a bar we rag. We are going to know. <laughs> And we'll be back with the answer to uh, who drew, drew triple dated and uh, many other things after this. Love line will be right back. Why? Because we like you. Brian, why does the film vault work? Well, it's hosted by a best-selling author, a New York Times best-selling I'm author. I'm sick. I think people appreciate the charity that I show you by employing you as long as oh I have. Oh, my God. This is not going to work. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, can't, I think it I has a lot to do with I that. I can't do it. I can't do it. And we've we've been doing the film vault for 10 years. Somehow, I have not throttled Brian yet, but uh, we talk a lot about you. Brian's uh, tastes are, are, are very conducive to six-year-olds. Very smart six-year-olds. And uh, I get I get a little into it. Has it been 10 years? Over. God, it feels like 20. Film vault. On podcastone.com. That's O-N-E. Clive Barker is our congenial guest tonight. Dr. Drew, uh, you got off the phone. You did a little leg work. What'd you find out? He didn't figure it out. We didn't figure it out. Uh, Producer Anse is very true in my ear, who was uh, there monitoring the call, but I think she's just goofing on Drew. Nothing, Drew? Seriously? Because everything, every lead I gave him, he said, no, it's not that. It's not that. So, Hmm. 
Maybe it was another Dr. Drew. Clyde Barker, as I said before, is our guest. He has himself a book out. That book is called Sacrament. It's a big, thick book. It's one of those, you look real smart toting that thing around. You kind of do. It's no Harlequin romance. It really is. You really look like a brainiac with this big thing. You are. <laughs> It's uh, Clive will be signing that book. He'll be signing T-shirts. He'll be signing posters, and possibly flash. breasts. And yes, flash. Do you get a lot of that? Ooh, yes. But now, it's great fun. Actually, it, in Seattle, it was really cool because a lot of people with tats coming along with Hellraiser tats and stuff coming along. It was very fun. Wow, that is really yeah, the ultimate tip I of love, the hat, isn't I love it? That. I love yeah, that. I mean, it's 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 yeah. like uh, you're being immortalized on someone's on rear somebody's end. Somebody's flash, you know, W on each buttock, so when they bend over, it reads Wow. You know, <laughs> are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, now? You're, you're going to be at um, at a different, a, light. different light, which is in West LA on uh, Santa Monica Boulevard at 7 p.m. this on Friday, Friday yeah. which is a gay bookstore. Yeah. Are you? Is, but it's not. I mean, it's a gay bookstore, but it's a, it's a big kind of very kind of laid back kind of book. So straight I want to, folks are yeah, welcome. Straight, all everybody's welcome. Gay it up a little just to play it safe. But you I know mean, what? I mean, no more than you do. You know, I mean, let's keep it as informal as that, shall we? Right, remember, I said anything we talked about during the break was I'm not sorry, to be discussed sorry, over there. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, but the beauty of, of the gay community yeah. is if you're doing a book signing at, little, let's say, a Klan bookstore, yeah. and a couple of gay guys come walking up, they're going to get their problem. ass kicked. Right. Whereas if the Klan come along to a different light, it's fine. You're you know? welcome. I love the frogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so but what I was going to ask is, are you, uh, the bookstores that you're touring around the country yeah. are they gay no. bookstores? Fine, large. I mean, I've 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 done six weeks of touring at you know, and I've done twenty some cities, and uh, we've done some gay bookstores. We've done you know, big Barnes and Nobles. We've done Romans. We've done all, all kinds of stuff, and. You know, the, it's not a it's not a gay book in the sense of well, the only subject of the book is homosexuality. It isn't. The subject right. of the book is is actually animals, and and it's a fantastical book. So there's kind of supernatural stuff in it. It just happens to have a gay hero. Is it a scary book? I think so. In some places, sure. Do you have to do a lot of research? To, in this case, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Do you have and, people that help you with that? Uh, you... A little, but part of the fun of it for me is actually going and doing that. I'm learning I mean, have, that. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things uh, f for me about making a book, uh, it's true of movies, but it's much less true of movies, is it's a kind of journey. It's a kind of spirit journey. If you're, t if you're taking it properly, you're spending 14 months of your life involved with these invented people and 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 a drama which you hope moves you deeply and so at the end of it you hope you've taken a journey which has changed you a little maybe made you a little richer a little bit wiser all right that's it i'm reading the book good morgan 20 you're on love line hey guys how's it going good, good thank you uh, i want to say adam you're hysterical oh. and drew you're a little uptight but you're pretty cool and clive i absolutely love everything you've written well thank you and you know what drew is far less uptight when you see him in a skirt and and <laughs> you know he looks so good because his ankles he's got very good ankles yeah and I, I, that brings up a, a good point drew cross your legs please <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole thing, basic instinct thing going on here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. All right, I just wanted to ask Clive about. Um, I read or I heard you on an interview saying that um, Stephen King had given you uh, kind of your breakthrough, where he right. read one of your works and kind of gave me a great quote on it. Yeah, yeah he gave you a huge yeah. quote, and that was yeah. one of the reasons why I started reading your books. And I well, was wondering cool. if you do things like that. 
Do I give quotes on things? Yeah. Oh, what yeah. does that mean, giving a quote? You know, like, oh, so yeah. somebody will send a book along and you'll say, you know, as Steve King said, I've seen the future of horror and his name is Clive Barker. Uh-huh. And people who knew Steve's work then went and picked up my book. Uh-huh. So right. I get, yeah, I get, you know, maybe two manuscripts a week from a publisher or sometimes from authors saying, you know, will you quote on this? And I try and limit it to, a, you know, a small number because otherwise it begins to look like, you know, you're just quoting on everything. But what if you wrote, uh, Clyde Barker says, smells like crap? Well, I suspect it wouldn't be on the cover of the book. Okay. You know. It'd still uh, be good. <laughs> make for fun. Hey, Clive, can you do a quick uh, quote for the Loveline show? Adams never looked lovelier. There you there go. You go. Um, but the, the, the... Adams button nose. There you go. The button nose. Um, and two eyes made out of coal. The, 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 uh, the quoting thing is, is more and more important, and in part because there are fewer and fewer places where books are being reviewed. Did you send him then your no, book? He, was he an idol of yours? Oh, sure. But he didn't... He, I guess he's one of those guys who just reads everything, you know, in you know, in his area, because I didn't hear about it until at long after he did give him the quote. I mean, it was like a month later. Are, are you friends him. with him? Uh, that would be too much. We know one another. We see we see each, each other at conventions once in a while. Um, because you, you two really are the, the kings of this. I mean, uh, I am not a well-read man. I don't know if anyone is caught on to that just <laughs> yet. But you know what? Helen Keller would have caught on to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if somebody... Helen read more than he did. <laughs> did she sing I Am Woman? <laughs> you know, she didn't. All right. Here's well, not the, to my knowledge, it, anyway. Here's the deal. If someone said to me, who are the two guys who are the king of this genre, I would say uh, Stephen King and I would say uh, Clive Barker. Well, and I, mean, I would not even know who the third person was. Well, I think it would probably be Anne Rice. It would probably be, I mean, I think people would tend to, to mention Anne in, in, in that list and probably above myself because Anne No, said, no. Yeah, oh, that old Betty, please. No, no. Please. no. please. Clive <laughs> is the Betty, man. I don't think so. Oh, she didn't, you came up with that fabulous... Uh, the the. Uh, chode head or whatever the thing and she's got <laughs> nothing with this revamped Dracula business as old as, as the day is long no one is this is from a non-reader of course you know this is from a guy who's never read Anne's right books. so it means that much more that's I a, am I am know, the voice you see that's what's frightening is that there's a certain element of truth in that that, that right. you it's know public that's a media I'm the buzz. voice of it a moronic a, it, nation it is it is actually the voice of the illiterate speaking thank you <laughs> through Adam you know if I find out what illiterate means and it's bad. I'm coming after you, Clive. Uh-oh. Adam, another illiterate, 17, you're Why on Love Line. everybody calling the show now? Hi, what's up, guys? Shows their bogus name is Adam. Hey, I, I think, oh, oh, that's what it is. Everyone's goofing on me. Uh. Because, uh, yeah, we did the show for the last eight and a half months. We did not, we had two guys named Adam. Now, in the last few call. nights, every third calls Adam. All right, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, well, it's not really a question, but like, I'm in a, well, I'll just tell you guys. I'm a, I'm 17, as you know, and I'm going to be going to college this next year. And, like, a lot of people I know probably call, up, call in to, like, well, I'm like, oh, I'm a virgin and stuff like that. What do I do? And the thing problem with me is, like, I've never been on a date with a girl. And I was wondering if you could just give me some advice on, like, is there something I'm doing wrong? Cause personally, First of all, I mean, are you going to college early? You're a little bit young. No, um, I, well, kind of young for my for my grade, but, but, but not you, by much. But you I'm graduated more, with your class. And I'm almost 18, so. Yeah, okay. Clive? Yes. You seem like a very sensible guy. I am. Perhaps sensible. you could steer young Adam in the right direction. Well, I don't... Uh, is there a problem? I mean, it doesn't seem like... Not a, everybody has to have a date, but... No. But there's a problem if you want to date and you're not dating. 
Well, no, that, that's a lot of 17-year-olds, well, too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm saying it's a problem to Adam. What do you think he's calling the show for, uh, both of you? What did you do? No, did, wait, did you have dates when you were 17? No, I didn't what have dates. He still doesn't have Stayed dates. home and what masturbated. And he you've still got a radio stays show home and masturbate. No, he, wait, he's, out, he's masturbating in the studio. He doesn't have to stay home for that. But his usual, his usual rejoinder is that they should form a rock band. That's oh, yeah, answer. that's right. Start a band. Now I'm moving toward uh, pen, and, pen and novel, <laughs> because that seems to get, to get Adam, you some, Adam, we're too. listening to you, man. We are listening to you. What is he, that? Yeah, what is Adam going mean, to do, Adam? The, the issue is, it, why is it a big deal? Is it a big deal because you're, like, going after girls and they're not going for it? Or what's the deal? Well, I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to go out. <laughs> I mean, I've asked several girls out, and all of them have rejected me. And I, I don't know if there's, like, some, some sign I'm supposed to know if a girl likes Like a se- secret handshake? I don't know. <laughs> Hmm? The oh. secret handshake? I don't know. I, <laughs> totally clueless. Well, I, you know, I, it's who you're asking out. I was going to say it's it's like that chemistry doesn't happen instantly, right? And it, and and who I whoever knows why those things happen, but I don't I don't believe you can I don't believe you can sort of lay out rules and regulations for this stuff. And Adam, what you need is uh, short term. Uh, victories. You need to realize your goals. And if you go ask uh, Buffy, the head cheerleader, out, you're not going to realize those goals. You're going to realize those goals, but it's going to be in the shower, and your mom's going to be banging on the door. Now, listen, Adam. You well, need I'm to. F- asking, like the head cheerleader. All right, but don't even ask anyone on the cheerleaders team. Don't even ask the mascot out. I'm out of high school anyway. So. All right, you need to start asking out people that you feel pretty certain are gonna uh, where the answer is going to be yes. You need to build some confidence. You need to build a dossier. Also, lay some groundwork too. You know, scout it out. Send some. Send some. Uh, you know, front man for you. <laughs> you major Adams no, all no, of a sudden. I mean, see who. Find out if there's some interest there, so he doesn't have to go through That's the, good. the continued humiliation of rejection. That's all right, good. Adam. What Drew is saying is take the cowardly route and get your friends to do your bidding. <laughs> At least well, as he all, begins the process. Yeah, so. and it's also a question of the fact that the rejection is is uh, is something we all go through, right? Right, but here, and continue to go through right through our lives until we're married, like Drew, and you just go our way, and, and then you don't care you anymore. But care, here's my know. my contention: is this: if you ask enough people out and you get turned down enough, then you get that sort of uh, that, that, that off, stench. I ain't never gonna do that it. That loser stench going. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, and you circle downward into uh, into uh, the uh, dark, uh, gooey abyss. Mm. I think I rented that. Mm. But the, the deal is, is if I you go that. out and you ask people uh, <laughs> that you think you have a pretty good shot at out, yeah. doesn't mean uh, people you despise, but just people you're going to have a higher percentage of getting uh, on a date uh, with, then you start, you start, you know, having little victories. You feel a little uh-huh. better about yourself. Before you know it, you got an ascot, perhaps a smoking jacket, and you're swinging like a medallion. Well, that was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I'm moved by that. I really am. Good. I'm going to go make a movement myself. The phone number for Loveline. 1-800-1191. Call now, are you sick, kids? Loveline will be right back. My name is Paul Shirley. And I am Justin Halpern. Together, we do a podcast called Short Corner. It is a podcast about the NBA, but it's not the same as every boring podcast you hear about the NBA. Paul, you played in the NBA. Yeah, three different teams in the NBA, a lot of teams everywhere else. And Justin is a comedy writer. That may not seem like a logical pairing, but together we make magic about the NBA. 
So come listen to us. Uh, find us at podcastone.com backslash short corner and let us make love to your ears. Portland's new rock revolution, 94.7 NRK. Loveline, real fast. Jeff, 27. You are on Loveline with Clive Barker. Clive. Hey, how you doing? Good, how you doing? Good. Good, I wanted to call and see if I could talk you into going out on a date. Oh, man. I love that. Thank (laughs) you. And it's almost midnight. Jeff, thank you. How kind. Well, you know... Uh, it's it's too late tonight, Jeff. Well, well thank not, you for the thought. Not necessarily tonight. <laughs> Clive, are you spoken for? Well, I am actually. Yeah, I I kind of am. I gotta. Uh, I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm a day late and a dollar short. Uh, well, don't don't worry about the dollar. Money was never important. Day late and a couple inches short. No, Jeff, no, oh. that that's unfair as well. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> he, Jeff, we have to say, Adam is totally preoccupied by the length of his member and we're, Dr. Drew and I have been debating, you know, whether this is something that goes back to his childhood or not. No, um, it's something in the present. It's something in the present. Oh, there's there's a, a shortage. But Jeff, thank you very much for the offer. Oh, sure. <laughs> Alright, Jeff. Yes. Now, happy jacking. Hey, thank you. Take care, man. Uh, well, almost out of time. Just enough time to uh, say uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Clyde Barker, for and coming in. And from the of my bottom, the same. <laughs> <laughs> and being such a uh, such a sport and so easy and so fun. I mean, Drew, this is the kind of guest that we we like on yes. Love Line. Yes. Just uh, sits back, takes the calls as they come, has a good time, answers and honestly, answers honestly, and is um, ton of fun. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're most welcome. Guys. Go out and get Sacrament if you don't already have it. Clive's new book, and uh, check him out at uh, Different Light, seven o'clock Friday. In West L.A. So uh, tomorrow night, possibly the Brady Kids. We will know by this time tomorrow. The Brady Kids? I'm Adam Carolla. That is Dr. Drew. I'd like to thank uh, Josh for doing the phones tonight, Lori for doing the phones tonight, the angular one, producer Ann for putting the lovely spin she always does on the show, the one that wonder engineer Mike for dropping in all those lovely sound effects and offensive sounds that uh, Clive had a good time with. So until tomorrow, this is Adam Carolla saying mahalo. If you are still listening, you may may feel the urge to touch yourself. This concludes another podcast1.com program.